Welcome to Tigers in 20, a Go Tigers 247 audio podcast. Your one-stop shop for all things University of Memphis Tigers athletics. Here are your hosts, founder of Go Tigers 247, Brooks Hansen, and lead writer for Go Tigers 247, Christian Fowler. What's up, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode. I'm your host, Christian Fowler, and joining me this week is Go Tigers 247, Swiss Army Knife, Kenny Stubblefield, cameraman, videographer, editor, producer. Man, you wear a ton of hats. Listen, man, when, you, um, when you're a man of many talents like I am, um, you're only <laughs> you're just looking for your shot, man. And so Brooks goes out of town. Um, and he goes out of town, and 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 I get the I get the phone call. Like I am I am the Josh Jackson of uh, Go Tigers two four seven. I mean I've been in the G League for a while, and it's time for me to come up to the pro level. Yep, you're the fill in man. But even with you on Brooks, oh there we go, relegate you back to the G League, Kenny Brooks. I so thought you were with- gone, Brooks. What is going on right now? <laughs> I'm hijacking this podcast. I'm on the road in the middle of the night. I got a big Ford F-250. I think it might be bluegrass bocephus behind me with this Bryce on in the middle of Kentucky on the bluegrass parkway. So I, I just decided to join you guys for a few minutes before y'all get the, sto- uh, the show started. So Brooks, you like like you mentioned, you're on the way out of town. Um, you were supposed to be there at six o'clock. We are currently recording at 9.15 and you are still not there. What what What, what happened? <laughs> Man, so I was supposed to be here around 5 o'clock today. And so I pick up my, my car from the office, the, the work car. And I'm not going to throw anybody under the bus like I like to do usually. But uh, somebody didn't do their job. And, you know, about 20 miles out of town, a tire blew on the car. Apparently, they should have known that it was having issues, according to the Ford dealership that I sat at for three and a half hours. Uh so I sat on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere, Alabama, for about two hours, and then another three and a half in the Ford dealership. And so I'm still driving after leaving at 9:30 this morning. Uh, I found a bottle of what was it called? I think I, I sent it's it kinky, kinky, kinky vodka. I think it's vodka. Vodka, uh, some kind of spirit. Uh, so who knows what was going on in those woods off the side of the interstate in Alabama. So that's been my day. I'm still driving in the rain. I should have known going to Lexington, Kentucky, that something bad was going to happen to me. Knowing you, I'm going to say you're not having too much fun right now. I'm having a blast. I'm just, I'm ready to get off the road. It's raining now. I'm, I'm grumpier than normal. So I'm going to let you guys have it. Y'all be positive. Y'all have a great show. Carry the torch on without me. I'll be back next week. All right, Brooks, be safe, man. All right, see y'all. All right, Kenny, so now that we let Brooks vent and get that out of the way, let's jump into Memphis UConn. Memphis got their second consecutive victory on Saturday. Uh, it was a it was a tough game, but a game that they definitely needed. Um, and for those that don't know, Kenny's on the sidelines for every game, taking pictures, uh, taking video occasionally. So, Kenny, I know it's difficult for you to see everything from the game because you're so laser-focused on on getting good shots and stuff like that. Um, but what did you see on Saturday? What was you know what was the game flow to you? What stuck out to you in Memphis's win over UConn? Yeah, I think for me, the the big thing that stood out was for the second game in a row, Lance Thomas had another breakout game, right? Where um, and and that seems to be 
what's going to key the Tigers moving forward over the next, you know, over the the rest of their conference play into, you know, the tournaments um, is which big is going to step up to complement Precious out there. Um, You know, for a couple of games, you know, Malcolm didn't really do a whole lot um, offensively, but he added a lot of 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 movement with the ball. He added another layer of rebounding. He added um, a defensive stopper at the rim. Um, and, and you didn't really see much from Lance and, and Isaiah Maurice, but, um, obviously these last two games, Lance has really stepped up. He had 14 points, um, shot two for four, um, two out of four on three pointers, shot five for 11. Um, you know, didn't rebound the ball a whole lot, but was a presence at the rim. I think he had five blocks in the game and, and I think it's going to almost be moving forward, kind of a, a big man by committee, um, to compliment Precious, who's going to be the guy to step up in this game, um, in this in this specific game that's being played, and against UConn, it was definitely Lance. He had a really nice game. Yeah, I think I mean, like you said, you have to have someone step up next to Precious Achiwa in the front court, and Lance Thomas has done it for two games, and I mean, the hope for this coaching staff now is that he can continue to do that. Uh, you know, had the career high twenty points against UCF, came back with fourteen against UConn and like Penny said after the press conference it's confidence it's it all it is is confidence I mean when you when you look at the way that he played in the Bahamas he was incredible in the Bahamas uh when you look at the the couple of open practices that you and I got to go to when we walked away going you know damn Lance Lance is going to get some minutes like Lance is going to get valuable minutes this season and that's when James Wiseman was on the team so this is the player that Lance Thomas has been all season it's just that now he has confidence in his shot. Uh, obviously, he has confidence as a, as a shot blocker and a rim protector. That's something that he is he's naturally a rim protector. And I think now that he is seeing dividends pay off on the offensive end of the floor, they're carrying over to the defensive end of the floor. For him to be able to get five blocks in a game on a Memphis team that's top three or four in the country in block percentage and block shots per game, it's a, it's a big lift. So, like you said, I mean, moving forward, Getting someone in the front court, getting a big in the front court to step up next to Precious, uh, is is huge for this team. And I mean, you kind of pointed to it could be any different player on a specific game, but with the way that Lance Thomas has played, the hope is definitely that he can continue playing like this uh, because Memphis. I mean, Memphis still has a ton of talent, and when you look at what Precious is able to do, if you have another big next to him uh, that can that can compliment him and block shots and, and knock down buckets and space the floor. I mean, that's exactly what you need. Um, but now I want to move on to something that we haven't discussed yet. And that is the DJ Jeffries injury, obviously a huge loss, uh, PCL injury out four to six weeks is the timetable right now. Uh, and, and just, it's crazy that this team keeps coming to incredible adversity, you know, whether it's, James Wiseman leaving or first the suspension and then him leaving or whether it's Lester Quinones missing a couple weeks with his hand um, or DJ Jeffries going out with the flu and Damian Ball getting the flu and and now DJ Jeffries with the PCL. It's just incredible how snake bitten this team feels at this point, but they keep battling, they keep winning games. And, you know, Kenny, as someone who's watched every game this year and seen just about every play that you could see, um, how big of an impact does this injury make for Memphis with DJ Jeffries gone for four to six weeks? You know, the one thing I would say is 
the Tigers really don't have many people that can get their their shots off at any moment, at any point, at any place on the court. Um, you know, with Precious Can, uh, James obviously could have when he was here. Um, and uh, I think DJ was the only person that has consistently throughout the year done that. And so with DJ in the game, I mean, with him being as, as, as big as he is, um, and being as athletic and as smooth and can shoot the ball. Um, you know, he has a, a, a pretty silky smooth jumper. Um, it, it's, <laughs> it's going to be difficult because I think that that's one of the things, if you watch the Tigers play, there are, there are moments where, man, the ball is moving and skipping and, and, and going side to side and, um, you know, the running sets that very clearly that you can tell what they're trying to do. And then at times the ball just gets stuck and, and it just bogs down and not having somebody, um, like DJ, who is a guy who can get a shot at any time at any place, um, not having him on the court is going to be tough for the Tigers. They're going to have to figure this out. And, you know, it, it is like you said, man, it's just, it's unbelievable. The, it just feels like shot after shot after shot, you know, against the Tigers this year in terms of just kind of stifling some momentum that they that they came into the season with. And but I'll say this: um, one of the things that I do enjoy um, about being on the floor is that I get to hear a lot and I get to see a lot of things. I get to see how the team interacts with each other. I get to see how the coaches interact with each other. I get to see how the coaches interact with the players. And this team. With as young as they are, um, with as little experience as they do have on not only just in players, but also as, uh, you know, their coaching staff, apart from Tony Matlock, you know, there's only, you know, the the, the rest of the staff has only been coaching um, uh, college basketball for, you know, less than less than two years. And they they have every right. I think this staff and this team has every right to just kind of cash it in and just say, you know what, man, this is the season that this is a snake bit season and just kind of give up on each other. And they don't do that. Christian, it's it's pretty interesting, man, the conversations that you hear on the floor. Uh, these guys encourage each other on a consistent basis, and they are constantly um, teaching. The coaches are constantly teaching, and the players are constantly talking to each other and and just trying to figure out how to make the best of a of a rough situation. And and it's 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 pretty incredible, man, how they've stuck together. And I think a lot of that is on Penny's shoulders. I think that is one part of the coaching, um, coaching thing that, that, that he doesn't get enough credit for is how he's kept this team close and how he's kept this team, this team together. And, um, it's impressive, man, because they've been through it this year. It's been a rough year in terms of just outside things, um, things that they cannot control impacting the, the game for them. Yeah, I mean, it, it certainly can't be an easy thing for any collegiate coach, much less one uh, with as little experience as Penny Hardaway and the staff has overall. Uh, and you combat that with how many freshmen they have, how many guys they have playing significant minutes that have never played college basketball before until this season. It is pretty incredible. And, and I think there's plenty of teams in the country that would have folded at this point. Uh, but going back to the, to the DJ injury a little bit, I do want to take a look at some players that personally I will be looking for to kind of make up that slack because DJ Jeffries was the second leading scorer as you mentioned he's one of those guys that can really go get a bucket at any time which every team needs 
uh, especially a young team that's really struggled on offense all season. And I think the one guy that, that I'm looking at to really, really make a big difference on this offense is Boogie Ellis. Um, he had the back-to-back double-digit scoring games, uh, had another good game against UConn. It, ne- it wasn't necessarily as impressive on the box score, but if you watch the game and watch the way he plays, you see a different aura about him. It's different now. It's not the same way it was two or three weeks ago when he would get in, miss a shot, and be dejected, and, and really just couldn't get anything going. And I think the key to that is something that Penny did that that I personally think was a great move, and it's letting him run the floor, letting him play point guard. Because everyone wanted to say he was a combo guard coming out of high school, that he could play off ball, that he would be better off ball than on the ball. And I personally never saw that from Boogie. Not that he can't play two guard, but he is so much better with the ball in his hands when he's able to see the floor, uh, call the shots, and, and find open spots. And it's something that I saw when you and I were in Las Vegas last year for the Jordan brand game. Um, and we got to watch Boogie there. At the time, he wasn't a Memphis commit. He was signed to Duke, uh, but we still paid close attention to him because we knew him. Obviously, we had, you know, I had done multiple interviews with him before he committed to Duke. So he's somebody that that I knew of, obviously, and was paying attention to. And I think it was there because there was only one practice before the game, and me and you were watching it, and we kept, you know, you're on one side of the floor, I'm on the other. You're videoing, I'm tweeting, doing whatever. And then we kind of meet up and we're like, dude, are you you seeing what Boogie's doing? And he was running the point the whole time. He was you know, he was making great passes. He was shake. I mean, he was doing everything that you would expect like an elite level point guard to do in that game against some of the best players in high school in the country at that time. So I saw it a long time ago. I'm sure this coaching staff has, has seen it throughout practice. And Penny finally made the switch to let him run more of the point. And I think you see his confidence boost because of it. His shots falling because of it. Uh, the offense has, I mean, the offense still hasn't been great, but you can tell when he's in that there's a different type of flow to the offense. And that's what they need. They need things to be shook up a little bit. Um, not that Alex Lom- I think Alex Lomax is a great point guard. And I think it's great to have two point guards with kind of different styles uh, because Alex is someone who's more going to, can slow it down at times. Uh, obviously, the quote unquote veteran presence of this team, even though he's only a sophomore. But it's a little bit different with Boogie. It's it's more a pace with Boogie. It's a little more flashy. Um, I think he's obviously a better shooter. Alex is better at getting to the lane. So I think with the with the differences that you have in point guard now, it's not just Alex bringing it up or or Tyler bringing it up. Uh, you have a guy like Boogie who who I think is a is the best fit at a natural point guard running the offense at times. So with DJ missing four to six weeks, which could potentially be the rest of the regular season when you look at the time frame, I think Boogie Ellis is the most important player to step up, especially for the offensive end of the floor. So what do you think that that's going to do with um, with Damian Ball? Um, you know, Damian started off the year as the starting point guard for the team and obviously struggled at the beginning of the year. And Alex came in and took his place and, and – um, you know, with if if Boogie's going to start handling the ball, which I think you're exactly right, I think it is it, it is a important um, step for him. You know, ball players have to have the ball in their hands. You know, with Boogie, it felt like it was either Alex or Damian had the ball in their hands, and he was in the corner somewhere waiting for the ball to come to him. And that's just not Boogie Ellis's game. He he wants the ball in his hands. He wants to make decisions. He wants to be an active participant in what's going on in the offense instead of just receiving what's happening on the offense. 
But what is that going to do with Damien, you think? Well, I think I think what we've seen with Damien is a player that is very talented and can play on both ends of the floor. I mean, he's a great defensive guard. There's not many guards in the in the conference that are as good defensively when he's on. And on the offensive end, uh, I think we've seen him shoot threes a little bit better than we thought he thought we would. I mean, he hasn't taken a ton, but he was definitely knocking them down at the beginning of the season. Uh, he can get to the bucket. He He's a very, very intelligent basketball player. He sees the floor very well. But I think you saw it in the UConn game. He starts making too many mistakes when the game speeds up. And he didn't play much in the second half of that game because he did make so many turnovers in the first half. So I think maybe with Damian, it, it may be a situation where he plays less, but they're more valuable minutes. You know, maybe maybe if he if he gets a little bit less minutes, he comes in and makes better decisions. Because I don't think it's a lack of talent or a lack of basketball IQ. I think it's just a freshman college basketball player. I mean, he the game is so much faster at the collegiate level than it is at high school. And you see him sometimes forcing things, sometimes trying to skip a necessary pass to make a play, trying to make a flashy play, trying to do too much. And that's, I mean, it's common with freshmen, especially with a guy that's going to handle the ball that much. So I'm not saying it's a bad thing to lessen Damien's minutes or or anything like that. I think it actually helps him. But, you know, if Boogie is going to continue playing as well as he has and handling the ball as much as he does, then it probably means less minutes for Damian Ball until he can really come into his own uh, and realize that he doesn't have to force things or, or try to make a, an incredible pass every time he touches the ball because he is definitely talented enough to play a traditional point guard role. It's just a matter of the game has to slow down. He has to adapt to the game and kind of get some of that seasoning, coming, some of that veteran seasoning where he realizes, okay, I can I can make a simple pass that's going to lead to an assist or lead to a bucket. It doesn't have to be uh, some incredible thing every time I pass the ball. So, you know, when I look at it, that's that's really what I see. And I think, I think that could be something for Damian where, you know, five or six games he has less minutes but more valuable minutes. And then towards the end of the season, he kind of ramps it up a little bit. And that's that's just that's just what from what I've seen of the way that Damian's played, uh, I think sometimes getting a little reckless, especially in transition and fast break, maybe just pull off the gas a little bit, let him let him find a different role for a minute, and then see how that translates towards the end of the season. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 
Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. All right, Kenny, so now that we look back at the UConn game and, and looked at the impact of the DJ Jeffries injury and kind of what we see happening with the rotation and some of the guys that are starting to stand out, let's move on to these next two games because they are big ones for Memphis. Memphis will play at home on Wednesday against Temple, uh, who's definitely not as good this season. They lost a lot of talent on that on that team from last year, and then they get South Florida at home on Saturday, which is a team they've already beaten this year. So when you look at the record, 16-5, and 5-3 five, five and three in the conference, I believe they're tied for fourth with Wichita State right now, with Tulsa surprisingly leading the conference. How important do these next two conference home games become for Memphis? Well, I know that you and Brooks, have ta- you talked about it last week a little bit, but I'm telling you, man, these next two games, you cannot lose these next two games. Uh, Coach Penny said it the other day after the um, – after the, uh, I think it was the, which loss was it? The SMU loss that you just cannot lose games at home, right? In the conference, you just can't. And and you're you're a thousand percent right, man. Temple and South Florida. Temple's not very good this year. Uh, South Florida, we've already beat them at their home. Um, it was a rough game, uh, but we we took care of business over there. Um, we've got them coming back here to Memphis um, next Saturday. Um, but man, these this Temple and South Florida game are massively important. If you drop any one of these two games, it's going to be a very um, rough rest of the season because coming up after that, you're at Cincy and you're and then you go back to UConn or you go to UConn and run it back from this previous game that we just discussed. So um, they're playing some tough games on the road, man. The rest of this season is going to be hard. They got Cincy, UConn. Um, SMU Tulane and Houston on the road. So it's um it's going to be they've got these these next two games are must wins against Temple and South Florida. Yeah, there isn't much room for error at this point. And I think it's kind of what you expect from a team that th- that's this young. They're going to go on the road and drop some games. I mean, you obviously don't expect a loss like Tulsa, but these types of bumps and bruises happen with a young team. So when you look at the next two games, they're home they're against one team that you've already beaten and, and a Temple team that's just really not that good this season. But and, and rightfully so. They lost a ton of talent from last year. So these next two games are must wins, like you said. I mean, and and you mentioned Penny saying that you cannot lose conference home games, especially to teams that you're supposed to beat. So you have to take care of business. And the biggest reason, other than the fact that, you know, you've already lost five games on the season. Um, and you've lost games to Tulsa, who's leading the conference, and to Wichita State, is that road stretch that you talked about. Cincinnati, um, they, Memphis has already beaten Cincinnati by 11 this season, but Cincinnati is a team that is always much better at home. They have a great, great environment at their arena, so that's a tough game every time you go there. And then with UConn, that's a team that you just beat by seven, but it really was closer than that. Uh, the, the box score doesn't tell the whole story with that game. It was really close until the last minute and a half, minute and a half or so, when when UConn started fouling. So, those are two very tough games. I mean, you could lose both of those games, you could win both of those games, 
But these next two games are, are all that matter at this point. And, and I talked about this last week on the episode. It's, it's line them up and knock them down at this point. You have to take each game by game. There's no overlooking anymore. There's no we're better than them because where we were ranked in the preseason. Because uh, right now you're tied for fourth in the conference. And a conference that you were projected to win, or they were tied for first with Houston in the preseason voting. And I know that's there's a ton of factors that go into that. I'm not saying that that Memphis should be the top team in the conference right now because we know what they've went through. But as of right now, if you want to get back to that mountaintop, if you want to get back to the top of the conference and make the NCAA tournament, it's one game at a time regardless of who's in front of you. You know, Whether it's Temple or Wichita State or Houston, it doesn't matter. You just kind of have to line them up and knock them down at this point. Yeah, I mean, Temple is an interesting game. I had to do a little bit of research uh, when I knew that I was going to be on this episode because um, I don't know a whole lot about Temple. Um, and I... They're obviously there are they are not a very good team. They went on a pretty unbelievable losing streak for a while, um, and I think they've won maybe two out of their last three games. But um, they they have a kid that I was watching. I was watching some highlights of um, kid's name is Quentin. Um, is it Quentin Rose? Quentin Rose, yeah, yeah. He's uh, their leading scorer. Averages fifteen uh, points a game, um, and. It, He's a guard, so their top three scorers are all guards. So I think this is going to be a pretty heavy, heavily dominated game at, at the guard position by uh, by Temple. So you know, Damian's probably going to get a little more extra time. Um, Alex is going to have to guard. Boogie's going to have to guard. You know, Lester's going to have to guard on the perimeter. These guys are perimeter players, um, but Quentin Rose is six foot eight and is a guard, man, and 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 he's a terrible three point shooter, but. I was watching some video of him and he is slick with the ball. He is by far their best player. And so it's going to be interesting to me to see how this Temple game goes with um with just can the Tiger guard stay out of out of foul trouble um trying to guard him. Um trying to guard their their three three-headed guards or the three-headed monster guards that they have that that are their top scorers so we'll see man it's going to be um, an interesting game because you've seen them play some other teams where their guards are 6-1 you know 5 5'10 5'11 6 foot um, but Quentin Rose is 6 foot 8 and he is their ball handler and he's 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 nice with the ball man he's pretty good celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of colors starting at just $3.99 Ashley's sleep mattresses starting at $2.50 plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beautyrest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery may be required. See store for details. All right, Christian, let's take a, a, a minute and get away from basketball for a second and talk about football. Uh, this Wednesday is National Signing Day for uh, Tiger football recruiting. Um, so tell me, uh, tell Tiger fans what, what they can expect on Wednesday, um, National Signing Day happening. So I think, you know, I've spoken about this a lot with the with the class size is going to be smaller this year. Uh, Memphis is pretty full on scholarships, so they signed 14 in the early signing period. Uh, they got two commitments on Sunday from a running back linebacker, Davian Mayo, uh, who's from Arkansas, and then Maurice White, who's a JUCO defensive lineman from East Mississippi. And these are two positions that I've spoken a lot about that I think they needed to address. I know a lot of people on the boards have talked about that they needed to address linebacker and defensive line. 
And even though these aren't huge, splashy signings or commitments, they're, it's depth that they needed. Uh, like I said, Davey Mayo plays running back and linebacker, good size at 6'1", 215. Uh, and then Maurice White's a Juco guy, uh, 6'5", 290, so another big body, which is something that we're, you know, that I really expect Ryan Silverfield and this staff to prioritize is getting bigger bodies on the defensive line. But... I will tease one more thing. I'm gonna. I, I can't. I can't give it all away, but I'll give a little bit away. Uh, so you got the two guys that they are planning on signing on Wednesday with Mayo and White, and there's one more guy. Can't say his name. I'm gonna gonna keep it at that. Ryan Silverfield tweeted about it. I dropped some hints about it on the board, uh, but there will be, as of right now, there will be one more signing. So they're they're planning on signing three guys on Wednesday to have a 17 man class. And when you look at what they've signed, I know a lot of people are like, you know, we're 75th or 77th, whatever they are right now uh, for the 247 Sports team rankings. Uh, But something that, you know, a lot of people don't understand that you really have to look at with that is the average rating per recruit. Uh, So what that is, is just obvious. I mean, it's pretty, pretty self-explanatory. It's just an average of all the commitments or signees. And this is Memphis's highest, I believe, ever. I believe this is the highest they've had in history. I think it's at 84.7 right now. Uh, and everyone knows how much talent was in last year's class, and it was at 83.6 or 83.8. So the average recruiting ranking is very high. Uh, this is a huge class for Memphis. They totally went after the offensive side of the ball in this class, which is what they needed to do. And then they're hitting defenses in the spot that they need to. They know how many scholarship guys they have on defense, um, so they're filling in the gaps where they need to. So when you look at this class, uh, the obviously the first thing you have to see is that a 17-man class isn't going to be a top – you know, a top 50 class in the country just because of of how few players that are in it. But sometimes you have to go for quality over quantity, uh, especially when you're low on scholarship. So that's exactly what Memphis did. Uh, Like I said, it's one of the best classes they'll ever sign in school history. So um, National Signing Day, not as exciting as the early signing period, obviously with only three guys signing versus 14. Uh, But still, you know, still a good day to to monitor a little bit. Like I said, there will be one surprise in there that people haven't haven't heard of yet. So the other day, Christian, you were telling me that um, you gave me a a countdown on how many more days until spring football starts. What was that again? When, When does spring football start back? Oh, you put me on the spot. I think it's March 9th, March 8th, March. It's coming up. It's like a month and a half or a month. Yeah, a little over a month. So we got about a month and a week until uh, spring um, spring football starts up. Um, we have been doing a ton of content about football. Um, I know everybody's still excited and, and, and excited about this next season. Um, check out the podcast interview that uh, the off the boards episode that Christian did with with uh, Brady White. Um, but you did it. You did an article today on the the website, um, basically breaking down way too early depth chart for um, University of Memphis football team. So, um, any surprises on that depth chart? Uh, really the only one that I would say maybe a couple to some people uh, at the wide receiver spot, you know, obviously Memphis runs three receiver sets. So you have two outside receivers and a slot guy. The receivers I projected were the obvious is Demonte Coxie, who's going to be the number one receiver once again this year. Um, in the slot, I think it's really a two man race right now between Pop Williams, who will be coming back from the ACL injury and Calvin Austin, who we really saw burst onto the scene last year. 
uh, and I had Calvin Austin slotted as a starter just because I believe he brings much more with his speed. I know they love throwing screens to pop, but as far as a deep threat or routes over the middle, he doesn't give you as much as Calvin Austin. And then on the other outside receiver, I took a bit of a projection and went with Kandarius Taylor, uh, who is coming from JUCO, uh, one of the highest rated JUCO players in the country. Coming off a nasty injury, but uh, you know, kind of in the in the article, what I said is if he can recover properly in time to get the system, get adjusted, and gain chemistry with Brady White, I think he'll start at the outside. And then the only other thing that I I think maybe could be a surprise is the offensive line. Uh, you have Manny Arona Lopez returning, uh, Dylan Parham returning, Obina returning, um, and and what I see happening is kind of what happened in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, with Scotty Dill being gone for the Cotton Bowl, they moved Brian Thomas to left tackle and moved uh, Obina Eze over to right tackle. I think we could see that next season um, if they want if they want to have Obina as the power tackle and not as the blindside tackle. It all just depends on where they feel best fit there. Um, and then with Dustin Wooder leaving, I have Isaac Ellis starting at center, which really isn't a stretch because he played so much last season. And that's kind of interchangeable as well. Manny Arona Lopez may be the one to move over to center, and Isaac Ellis might slide to right guard. So there's a little bit to play with on the offensive line. You know, some guys could be flipping, like I mentioned with Manny and uh, and Isaac Ellis, but not too many surprises. I mean, this offense really does bring back, back a ton of playmakers. All right, man. Well, that's exciting. This, I'm, I think everybody's excited about uh, spring football starting back up. Yeah, I mean, obviously, when you have that good of a season, people are going to be excited. Uh, but Kenny... Went through basketball, went through football, talked about National Signing Day. Um, Once again, appreciate you for joining me. Thanks for Brooks for for coming in for a second on his drive to Kentucky and and venting about his wreck. But, Kenny, you got anything else? Man, I'm good, brother. All right, that's a wrap. Thank you for listening to Tigers in 20. If you enjoyed this episode, we would love for you to leave a comment and a rating wherever you download your podcasts. If you are interested in daily content all about the University of Memphis Athletic Program, please hop over to www.gotigers247.com. Articles are uploaded daily, and you can join the Go Tigers 247 family by signing up for the VIP membership for even more behind-the-scenes information. 